Thanks for joining us on Joy Church Podcast. Our Sunday services are held at 1030 a.m. at 4120 Highway 50A in Fernley, Nevada. To stay up to date with what's going on at Joy Church, check out our website at www.joychurch.life. The following message is presented by our senior leader, John Poundstone. Listen, (laughs) that's what it says up there. Here's the backdrop. This is year three of a decade, the decade of way, the way more of God. God is moving in ways and wonders and signs and miracles like he hasn't in hundreds of years. Revival is breaking out all over the earth. Take a picture of what your world and this world is like today. It'll look something way different for those who are following Christ by the end of this decade. This is year three, Jesus as head. That's our word from the Lord this year. Jesus as head, head of all. Our key words this year, the ones that were our, the ones that are, the ones that are our, try that. Go ahead. The ones that are our. Watchwords are align, listen, pray. This morning we'll zero in on listen, listen to God, listen to heaven, listen to the Holy Spirit, that you might listen to one another to be for one another. There's not nearly enough listening going on in our world today. There's a whole lot of talking and shouting and dividing and claiming and dividing and deceiving. There's power in listening. In fact, in John chapter 10, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for my people. My people hear my voice and I hear them and they follow me. Well, if Jesus says that, what would happen if we just learned how to listen for the good shepherd and to the good shepherd? He's laying his life down for you and for me. This morning we're going to focus on applying and activating kingdom listening. Rest assured what we do starts and ends with the Bible. May I have the next slide please? Here are the main scriptures that establish and build what we are doing this morning. You're welcome to take pictures of that slide. I also posted that slide and all our slides this morning on the JC Family Connection page. They're already all up there. You can just, you don't have to take notes. If you want to take notes, if that helps Holy Spirit help you learn, go for it. But otherwise, just let Holy Spirit minister to you and just soak up everything you can from Him this morning. We are in a time of revival around the world and in our region. And it's really starting to pick up in our faith communities around here, including this one. All revival starts in prayer. Now, I love the Apostle Paul for lots of reasons. Here's one. The Apostle Paul writes the longest run-on sentences ever. And I I love me a good run-on sentence. So that's the prayer I'm going to speak over you this morning. It's Ephesians 1, 17 through 23. This is my sincere heart. Please just listen. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, having eyes, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to the working of His great might, 
that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. One sentence. (laughs) Wow. Holy Spirit, let that be. Please, may you inherit that. All right. Let's get the week off our mind. Let's get pre-service off our mind. Let's get everything that happened in the car and in the house off our mind. And let's set ourselves up well to just listen. Settle back in your chair. Let your shoulders drop. Just relax. Let's, let's, let's just align. Let's just listen. Let's pray. Tim, would you play the first video, please? Confusion fades Just a word And suddenly I'm not afraid Cause you speak And freedom reigns There is hope And every single word you say
Growing up in a small town in Montana, I was immersed in connection. I was bathed in connection. The news of my misdeeds always got home before I did. If I needed anything, if I wasn't at my house, I probably knew whose house was close and the door was unlocked and I could just go get a glass of water or an air pump from the garage to pump up my bicycle tire. Everybody knew everybody. Nobody locked their cars. My dad was a country doctor, so of course we knew everybody. Right? That's connection, isn't it? That's connection. You can't get separated, even though you're a teenager, no matter how hard you try. You cannot become disconnected. Huh. A little older than some say I look. I remember going down to the local... Montana Bell telephone office, which is now, I don't know, it's long since gone, but my dad took me down there so I could watch the ladies unplug the wires from one hole and plug them in another one to connect Sally with Jane, right, to make phone calls. You ever seen those in the old movies? Yeah, so um, that that's what it was like, and we could just walk in there to the switchboard and Watch that happen. Now, so, I mean, connections were real, right? Plug in, plug out. They pulled wires and so forth. And growing up in a doctor's home, the phone was important. It hung on the wall. It had a long cord. Sometimes when you picked up the receiver to make a call, people were already talking. <laughs> Called a party line. Yeah, eight different households were on the same line. And if somebody got hooked up before you got on, you either had to wait for them to finish or uh, eavesdrop on their conversation or butt in. Um, and if there was an emergency, you had to get everyone else to hang up so you could call who needed to be told. It was almost an early version of group chat. Our phones had rotary dials, not buttons. Our family station wagon, a 1963, no, it was a 56 Dodge and then a 63 Ford. Until they passed a, a new levy, that was one of the ambulances, our family station wagon, and it was equipped as such. And we, my dad, we'd roll down the seats and he'd go roaring off because he had a 63 Ford station wagon, but it had a 390 police interceptor engine in it. Another story, another day. Well, anyway, when the phone rang, it mattered. Right? You picked it up, and you used manners from a very early age. Poundstone household. John speaking. Poundstone household. John speaking. That's how you answered the phone. There wasn't caller ID. They didn't know who they were calling, and we didn't know who was calling. There were no robocalls either. <laughs> Nobody cared about our car warranty. A person, a real-life person was on the other end. And then we say, no, he's not home. May I take a message politely? And then you went and got the piece of paper and a pen or pencil, and you wrote it down and put it in a place where you'd be sure that your mom or your dad or your sibling would find it. See, the connection mattered. If the phone rang when you were busy, or even when we were eating dinner, we picked it up. Because the connection mattered. Why did the connection matter? It mattered because the person calling mattered. I don't think you caught that. It, the phone call mattered because the person calling, whoever it was, unidentified, didn't matter who they were, they mattered. 
If I called someone, even back then I loathed talking on the phone, if I called someone, it's because it mattered. See, if we reach out to God, it matters to Him. If we try to make connection with God, if we ring His phone, it matters to Him. He loves it. He loves connection with you and, and me. <laughs> he, he moves at the sound of your voice. So in like turn, if the God of the universe, if the creator of all, is trying to connect with you, doesn't that matter all the more? If I reach out to God, it matters to Him. Just think how much it matters to me if He's trying to reach out to me. That's where we left off. He's constantly doing that. He's eager to provide wisdom. He's eager to provide uh, counseling. He's eager to to, to provide support. Wisdom, most of all. He loves to give us wisdom. Well, what is wisdom in the first place? The Hebrew language, which is the main source of all 39 books of the First Covenant, the First Testament, describe wisdom as something like a hearing heart. Nothing to do with ears. A hearing being, a hearing essence, a hearing heart. (laughs) I was thinking earlier this week about how you and I are engineered to listen, to receive. God made us with two ears, two eyes, a nose that has two nostrils, a tongue that with areas for five taste types, a heart that has four chambers that's in the center of our mass and is our essence And he gave us a mind and a brain. Here's another funny thing. Low frequency waves, especially, but all sound, travels faster and farther in water than it does in air. You and I are almost 70% water. See, in many ways, we are an antenna. We're one big listening device. But we have to turn it on. We have to flip the power switch. Maybe we should first ask the most fundamental questions of all. Can we have the next slide, please, Tim? I'm, I'm just wondering, does God even really speak to people still? How about you? Has God ever communicated with you? If so, how do you do that? Audible words, circumstances, what? And when you became sure that it was God communicating with, with you, what was the outcome? <laughs> See, God's kind of weird. It says right above there that He spoke to lots of people in the past, men, women, children, even baby in a womb. He even spoke to animals and plants, and nature, and natural stuff. We hear people say, God said, God spoke to me, and God told me. Really? Maybe, yeah. So let me give you just a second to track sometimes. Just log in your mind. Yeah, God still speaks. When's the last time he spoke to me? In what, in what fashion? What was the outcome? Just go ahead and... Create a recollection. You good? So we know God spoke in the Old Testament and we kind of know how. Could I have the next slide, please? Here are some ways that God... I'm going to be moving very quickly because we're going to be getting into activation very soon. And that's why I put all the scriptures on a slide so you could uh, go go study them and see if I'm... See if the if I did follow Holy Spirit. But anyway, just take a look at this slide real quick. I'm not going to read it to you. 
Here's some ways that God spoke in the Bible. Just a few. There's a list of ten of them. Ten different ways in scriptural citations of how God communicated, spoke in the Bible. And I have some very good news. <laughs> I sound like Ryan Seacrest. Anyway, I can tell you more certainly and more reliably than the chair and the floor under you, yes, God still speaks. <laughs> Let me show you a few ways he does. Next slide, please. I just listed ten. Ten ways that God still speaks. And again, this slide is available on the JC Family Connection Facebook page. I'm in the target zone. <laughs> yes, God speaks mostly and firstly through Scripture, and then His Holy Spirit, but Holy Spirit can choose any one of myriad ways to speak. And one of the ways that I find He's speaking to me more often, or maybe I'm beginning to pick up on it a little better, is through my physical senses. I see something, I hear something, I smell something, I taste something that doesn't really fit with the facts. I pay attention to it now. Quick example, I find that over the last several years, if I uh, develop a sudden pain somewhere, I'll look around, for, the Holy Spirit's probably telling me that someone needs something healed. That's probably right there. That's just one example. Uh, we often pick up on smells that are either very pleasant, the aroma of Christ, or very unpleasant, that we pay attention to that, that uh, doesn't have a natural cause, seemingly. But there's something foul in the air. Make sense? No, of course it doesn't. Is it real? Yes. Of course, dreams, visions, and trances. How about thoughts unbidden? Whoa, that was random. Where'd that come from? Oh, God loves to speak through people. People near to you and people not connected to you. Or people who bring something into the equation from heaven, a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom. Signs and semiotics. Signs. Well, if I watch somebody praying for somebody who had one leg way shorter and not usable, and that leg grows out and they're perfectly healed right in front of my eyes, that's kind of a sign. Yeah? Yeah? What's a, what's a semiotic? That's a, that's a highfalutin word that's a very real word that means a symbol. Like if I draw a big red circle and then I put a slash through it, what does that always mean? Yeah, yeah, no, don't, right? Uh-uh. Or if I do this, what does that mean? All three, that's a sign. You better interpret it. Could mean two, could mean victory, could mean peace, right? That's, that's a semiotic. You kind of making sense? So sometimes when you're in a prophetic atmosphere, and that can be even in your own house, you might see a word above somebody's head or sense a word above somebody, or an umbrella above, that doesn't exist above somebody's head. And it means something. Does that make sense? No, but it's real. See, God is more open and active and is communicative more so than he has been in centuries. He's doing all these things and more. The veil between this dimension and the dimension of heaven is super thin right now. Man, you just tune up your listening self and wow! It's amazing. It's incredible. It's kind of fun. And it's a wonderful time to be a Christ follower. Why is God doing that? It's an arms race. Because there's getting to be more and more and more deception and distraction and unreliable sources and fake news and you name it. You know, and there's a lot of cultural persuasion. There's a lot of pressure to do and say and be certain ways and do certain things that or not do certain things. Do you agree? So it's really important that we hear from the source 
the source. Because your enemy, because God is so much more active and communicative and loving out loud, your enemy is even more jealous and angry and hateful. He has amped up his war machine in the battle to influence your mind, your will, your emotions, and your appetites. Distraction and deception are his main tools and weapons, and so we as Christ followers must become awake, stay alert, and aligned with truth. Truth is not a what. Truth is a who. It's a person. Wisdom and discernment matter. They matter more today than they ever have. They are critical. You live in a time where sources and influencers and agendas are totally suspect. You take anything on its face anymore other than maybe scripture? Yes? No? We don't. We, it's horrible. We've, we've learned that people that we knew and thought we knew and were, we sent that video... The pastor of that church was somebody we followed and learned from for years. Didn't do what we're doing today. Didn't, sit, didn't do what we're saying today. He didn't listen. He got up in his own agenda and his own ego and he fell hard and it hurt us because we learned a lot from this guy. I'm going to, I'm going to cite a book at the end of this that I encourage you to go read. And it was written by Bill Hybels. Bill Hybels so far is not ending well. He built that whole massive church and network, and it was awesome, and fell. If, if guys like that, James McDonald, Bill Hybels, and others you know, can get tricked, just saying. So that's why I'm supposed to share this next tool. I got it from my wife. Who got it from Doc, Dr. Mark Berkler many years ago? We, we still lived in Reno at the time, and I was still in the business realm. We invested in Sherry getting trained more deeply in hearing God. She was really starting to move into the prophetic ministry, and so uh, we spent some money, and she invested a lot of time. Dr. Berkler is an extraordinary teacher, and I have adapted some of his content from those many years ago, and it'll be on your screen next. How do you check the source? Oh, I love doing this. I love alliteration. Where did that little thing come from? Was it from self? Was it from Satan? Or was it from the Spirit? So is it me? Or is it false prophecy? Or is it authentic prophecy? Because anything coming from heaven is prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, the Bible says. So number one, test the thought's origin. Did it come from myself or somewhere else? If it came from myself, chances are pretty good. It came as a chain. It was progressive. That was thought on top of thought, on top of tangent, on top of... Do you, you know what I'm talking about? Where you go, it's like a mental cartwheels, mental pinball, where thoughts just build one on the other very quickly. Or was it just, boop, spontaneous? If it's spontaneous and not progressive, it probably came from a realm not your own. Well, if it's in, from another realm, how do you know if that's the Holy Spirit or a non-Holy Spirit? There's a lot of that going on, whether you think that's true or not. If it's from Holy Spirit, it'll tend to just bubble up. If it's from an unholy spirit, many times it will boil up. It will carry much more intensity. It will be roiling and stirring and bubbling rather than just being bloop, like artesian versus 
um, a saucepan on the stove. Number two, test against your baselines and your plumb lines. Everything must be tested against compared to Scripture. And if it's not directly in the Scripture, then you certainly, if you know your Scripture well enough, you certainly know biblical principles. And you, if you're hanging around good teachers long enough, you'll understand kingdom dynamics. But wait a minute, that doesn't, you know, the, the classic example, and we've heard this. The Lord told me that I should get divorced. Nope. Another sermon another day. <laughs> oh boy, look, the looks on your faces. Let me take that a little farther then. <laughs> if someone is married and if their spouse is demonstrating a pattern of adultery, and adultery is not necessarily... No, in fact, it's let me not soft soap that. Adultery, adultery does not require physical a physical act. If adultery is a pattern, the marriage is already broken. The divorce just make, just confirms it. If there's domestic violence, if there's abuse in the household, then the man, if it's the man has completely abandoned and abdicated his headship. He has left the woman completely out in the cold and under the wiles of the enemy. The divorce has already occurred. The woman should get the out of there and take the kids as quickly as she can or get him out of there. No, 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 no. It isn't, yes, God hates divorce, but it already happened. The marriage was broken. The covenant was ripped apart. Otherwise, no, God never said get divorced. But he probably did say, get thee to safety. Stop enabling him, her. Set some boundaries. You're not going to help him, her get healed if you keep on putting up with that. No, 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 no. Jesus only ever helped those who truly showed an interest in helping themselves. They need to take the first step. And in the meantime, create some good boundaries, some good guardrails, some good fences. No. But, no. If, if, uh, trying to give a name. If Henry is at work, and the administrative assistant or the receptionist or the whatever is somebody who will just listen to him way better than Phyllis does at home. And if enough time goes by, enough trickery, enough deception, and enough emotion, Henry can hear the spirit say, oh, she's supposed to be your wife. I like the Holy Spirit. Did that help? Did that make more sense? Okay. Moving on. What's the fruit and what's the fuel within? What happened within me? What was birthed and what was fed? If any or all of the, of the first list were faith, love, peace, joy, humility, vitality, vigor, then it could be from Holy Spirit. But if whatever bubbled up in you or whatever came into your head generated confusion or anxiety or fear or doubt or ego or self-promotion or it's not fair or how come they and I don't or if it's just a big old ugh oh I just heard that and that ugh and it makes you want to go away or retreat it's probably not the Holy Spirit last until and even after you become much more experienced at listening, test it. I think I just heard from the Lord. I think I just heard from Holy Spirit. I think I we do this all the time in my house. Test it with somebody who's as or more seasoned than you. Test it with somebody you trust. <laughs> I don't know how many times I've talked to my spiritual dad and I'll say, I just, he said, 
John, that's not from God. One time I called him up and I said, he's got the greatest revelation out of Psalm 23 about the Lord maketh you lie lie down in green pastures. Why was it made to revelation? What do you think, Dad? No, it just means you're supposed to lie. He makes you lie down in green pastures, John. (laughs) It's good, it's good, it's good. Test it. We're going to now spend the rest of our time together in an exercise, in activation. I want to get you out out the door having actually experienced this to some degree or another. So let's put this into action. I'm going to again play a video. It's just background. It's just to help you get a little bit of solitude to yourself. And it's intended to help you have internal silence. Solitude and silence. Did that make sense? It's all it's, it's its only purpose. Now, during the video, I want you to simply get as quiet as you possibly can. <coughs> Utterly, totally still. Physically, mentally, emotionally, socially, and so forth. And go ahead and let thoughts and impressions and pictures and senses drift in. <laughs> it's quite normal that thoughts of the day will come knocking. Did I turn off the oven? Oh gosh, I forgot I need to get back to that person. Is Memorial Day weekend only two weeks away, really? I'm so behind. Wow, I wish I'd have made that, wish they'd make that furnace quieter in here. (laughs) Hey, didn't the pastor wear that same shirt last week? Let those thoughts come. Don't fight them. Don't fight them. Don't fight them. Just let them come. And then either just write them down to the old later or ask them to go sit in the waiting room. Let them come, but send them to the waiting room. Okay? Instead of fighting those thoughts, just do that. Just become silent and wait. Continue waiting and wait and wait and wait. And just take a note. Just just watch what happens next. Just make a note of what happens next. There might come a single word, there might come a phrase, a caution, a directive, or maybe a song might get highlighted to you. Or maybe you'll become aware of a sound, a smell, a physical feeling, or there might come a memory, or a scene, or a picture, or a symbol. You get the idea. Whatever comes, just pay attention. That's your only job. Let it come. Pay attention. Note it. But whatever you do, don't dismiss it. In the name of Jesus, the only spirit welcomed here now is the Holy Spirit of God. I banish all others. Jesus, you personally and through your holy scriptures govern this next seven minutes. Now, if you would like to, you're welcome to repeat after me this prayer. Holy God, I am in awe that you would speak to me. I turn my heart toward you. I open it. I open it wide. to see in me the voice that ends the silence meets me in my need like fireworks igniting in my chest the weight of your glory the reverence Listening.
Speak to me. Speak to me. I'm listening.
course, I'm in this room. That just took too long. Oh my gosh. It was just too long. And for some in this room, it's like, oh, it's just getting started. And most of us were somewhere in between. Here's the next important step that you need to do, please. Tell someone. Someone you trust. What you saw, what you felt, what you heard, what you sensed. Tell someone. Don't end today without telling someone. And if you literally have nobody, then get out a piece of paper and a writing instrument and say it out loud as you write it. Everything in creation is manifested three times. There's first a vision or a thought. And then there's a word. Nothing comes into existence that isn't spoken first. And then there's an action. There's an implementation. You need to speak this. Whatever you heard. Speak it. Even if it's to the mirror. Speak it. If you feel led that you need to speak it to somebody you know to be a great prayer, there's actually a couple sitting right over here that many of you don't know. They're strangers, but you can trust them. (laughs) And most of you also know somebody here that we invite you and encourage you to just, we'll just, we'll just be a fellow listener. The only, the one biggest impression I got was a picture out of a kind of like an older movie, but it was in Technicolor. It was, it was really well produced. And it was a picture of reunion. I, I saw some faces in the room who were having a reunion with God, been a while since you two met up. And he's really, he really enjoyed seeing you come, like the, not the prodigal son's father on the porch, but kind of. He saw you open and willing and ready, and he ran to you and met you. So there, I I reported, and I call that holy, and I sanctify it or make it real. Last slide, please. Tell someone, write it down, even if it's in the mirror. Last one one back, please, Tim. This week, I understand if you're a mom of young children that this may not be possible to have one whole hour. But make an hour, you know, 10 minutes at a time, five minutes at a time. Build an hour. For the rest of us, commit, find one hour dedicated to utter solitude and silence. I get it every week in the car. I don't turn on my radio. I don't listen to a podcast. I don't pick up phone calls. At some point during the week, I get at least one hour in the car of solitude and silence. It's the most wonderful, precious time ever. Journal. In some fashion, talk into the voice recorder on your phone, write it down, whatever, but journal in some fashion three occasions when God spoke to you in the next week. And then act on them. Praise, thank. Pray, say. Hey, I think the Lord showed me. Or, I just felt led that. Say it. Take action and so forth. Now, for some of you, you may want to take an even deeper dive. And of course, my wife and I have spent a ton of time and a ton of energy at this whole area of hearing God. Here are three resources that I find to be among the best. Now, I I like the really deep theological stuff. These are not that. These are eminently readable and understandable, yet profound and phenomenal authors. The uh, Mark Berkler that I quoted earlier, the third book is from him, and it's excellent. All in all, that book, The Power of a Whisper, Hearing God, and Then Having the Guts to Respond, that's the title, is very readable and understandable. Anything by Dallas Willard, anything. I highly recommend it. And he wrote a whole book on hearing God. So I encourage you, 
If you wanted to hear from God one billionth as much as he wants to tell you, communicate with you, commune with you, you'd race out and make this a priority to hear from God. Our region needs God lovers and God hearers desperately. Your family, your friends need one person to be hearing God right now and walking and living in truth and freedom, grace and mercy. Okay? I hope this morning was beneficial. I hope it was good. I hope that it, instead of closes something, opens a whole new door. Thank you for coming this morning. We love you so much. Thanks again for joining us on Joy Church Podcast. We want to personally invite you to our Sunday services at 1030 a.m. held at 4120 Highway 50A in Fernley, Nevada. To find out more about the Joy Life, be sure to visit www.joychurch.life. See you Sunday.